porque no solo me matas. Tu castigo debe ser más severo. ¿Crees que volverá? No lo sé. ¿Por qué huiste, Bane? Deberías temerle tanto como yo. No te enterraré. Ya he sepultado a muchos miembros de la familia Wayne. Tú no le debes nada a esta gente. Les has dado todo. No todo. Aún no. Mi madre me advirtió de no subir a autos de desconocidos. Este no es un auto. Hey everybody, it's another Bat Fans podcast. This is episode number 26. Um, unfortunately, Tim and Laura, they hate you guys. They they absolutely hate you guys. So they didn't show up this episode. Uh, but Terrence and myself like you. Right, Terrence? Yeah, we're here. We're ready to go. I thought maybe Tim got suspended after last week getting that Star Wars question wrong. That uh, Oh, right, and, right. And at first I thought, well, you know, how could he, you know, not know that? Maybe maybe Dane was wrong. And I looked it up, and there's all these websites that are all, you know, Darth Maul only blinks once. Darth Maul only blinks <laughs> once. So I was, well, Tim dropped the ball last week. <laughs> I know. He, he He's not as big of a fan of Star Wars as we thought. No. Hey, he actually, I think he secretly likes Star Trek better, but... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You might be right, Terrence, because, I don't know, he doesn't seem to know his Star Trek, uh, Star Wars trivia, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, anyways, uh, we actually had a featured topic that Tim came up with, but, um, I mean, Tim isn't here, so I was thinking recently... I mean, I've been having trouble with this thought that I don't feel that The Dark Knight Rises was as big as it should have been, you know, looking back almost a year later. I mean, of course it was because of the shooting and, you know, people being scared to take their kids and their families to the movie theater. But, I mean, there there has to be something else, right? Right, Terrence? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like Avengers stole some of its thunder a little bit by coming out two months before it and... You know, outperforming it in the box office. If, if Avengers hadn't come out, everybody would talk about, wow, you know, number one movie of the year made a billion dollars worldwide, but Avengers made, you know, 1.6 billion or whatever worldwide. And the shooting stole a lot of its thunder. And I think, you know, Heath Ledger not being in it, you know, kind of, you know, dampened some people. So people already had their chip on their shoulder, like, wow, he's not yeah. in it. So, yeah, I agree with you totally. Yeah, but. Like, I'm looking at Avengers, and I'm looking at Spider-Man, and I'm looking at um, all of those Marvel movies, and all of those movies seem seemed in a way bigger than The Dark Knight Rises. I don't know if it's because of the, the advertising. I don't know if it's because the quality of the movie, maybe. I mean, I just don't get it. Yeah, well, I, I definitely don't think it's the quality, because the quality was yeah. good, but, I, you know, it's not like they dropped the ball and came out with a bad film. But I definitely felt like there, even before the movie came out, 
people were getting ready. There was a certain group of people getting ready to just bash it and hate it and just not like it just because they wanted to be different or because they they just liked the Dark Knight so much or just because, you know, they were kind of sick of the hype or whatnot. So there, I, I did feel a little backlash even before it came out. And, yeah, yeah. And, and and that's the word. It's like, back, I mean, it wasn't so much backlash, but it was, I don't know. I mean, like, you go on the internet right now and there's like 50 articles about why or 10 reasons why the dark knight rises sucked or something yeah. like that so like i'm wondering why the dark knight rises is subjected to this kind of criticism whereas you know if you type in the avengers 10 things that sucked you probably wouldn't get anything yeah i mean was the big thing the shooting well you know i think the shooting took a little bit of the momentum out of that first weekend and all the publicity was kind of negative, um, but I, you know, I don't think that's why people are, like bash it. I think people just kind of—it's um, hard to say—but I, I think people get angry at it for being so successful that they try to poke holes in it and are, are kind of jealous or or don't think a movie like that should should make so much. But yeah, you're you're totally right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was watching this past week, and I mean, it's a really good movie. And the snub at the Oscars and, you know, everything on the internet. and I don't know. I, I just don't feel like it got justice. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, you know, like every movie's got something wrong with it. Every movie's got little things that, you know, don't don't a- happen in the real world because it's a movie. It's not the real world. But, uh, you know, the, the, the times that it happens in, you know, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, people just kind of forgive it or look over it or don't even mention it. And then... And Dark Knight Rises, people harp on it. Like, if I have to see one more time that there was a misspelling in one of the newspaper headlines, I'm going to throw up on my computer. I mean, it's, like, ridiculous. It's like, get over it, people. It's a typo. It happens, you know? Uh, You know, so I think part of the problem's movie is Bane in that, I mean, he was – I loved it. Tom Hardy was great. Everything was great. But he doesn't have that same appeal um, mainstream as the Joker or, you know, the Riddler would have had because people don't know Bane as much. You know, he's only been around for like 20 years and he's wearing a mask throughout the movie. So you can't really see the actor as much. So right. I think and then he's 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 basically a terrorist, you know, blowing up, you know, the football stadium and, and blowing up bridges and blowing up Gotham. So it's hard to, you know, kind of like the villain in that or get behind it where the Joker you know, everybody knows the Joker, everybody loves the Joker, and even even though he's running around killing people and stuff, there's there's so many people who like him and kind of just excuse it as kind of cartoon violence and, oh, it's just fun, you know, the person's not really dead. But I think the terrorism aspect of Bane kind of made it a little too real for some people, so. Yeah, but in a sense, the Joker was a terrorist, too. He was holding the, the city hostage just like Bane was, so... I mean, I kind of get where you're coming from, but you can go back to Batman Begins with Ra's al Ghul, who is essentially the same exact thing as the Joker and, of course, Bane. But I just felt that Batman Begins and The Dark Knight got way more attention than The Dark Knight Rises. It, I mean, especially after the movie came out. Yeah, no, I agree. Just to talk, yeah, you're right. The Joker is a terrorist. I mean, he blows up a hospital and he holds the city hostage and everything. But I just think the... I'm talking more about like the public perception of him. You know, oh, when a, I see. Yeah, when a mom's in like Toys R Us and the, the kid wants an action figure and it's the Joker, 
she's looking like, oh, yeah, he's a clown. He's a goofball. He's silly. He's fun. Yeah, I get the Joker. But when she sees Bane, it's a little bit more of like, well, who's this guy or what is he or the, the perception a little bit more. But no, I agree that the acts um, that they both do are, are actually all three of them. If you go to Raj Al Ghul are, are pretty, pretty much the same. But um, yeah, especially considering that it's the the last movie of the trilogy and Nolan's swan song and he's going out. Everyone just kind of seems to be focused on what's next or what's the reboot or, you know, at the end, was that Robin or will he be Nightwing or will he be Batman or will we be back for a Justice League movie? And just I mean, there's so much Justice League, Justice League, Justice League that, I, yeah. you know, I feel like, yeah, the Dark Knight Rises was not given the, the credit it's due. And um, there's just so many naysayers who just like took the opportunity to come out and just be like, oh, yeah, it's a bad movie or, oh, yeah, this is not the real Batman because he, you know, took seven months or seven years off or whatever it was. And it's like, you know, come on, people. It's it's just a movie. <laughs> yeah, would it made it would have made it any difference if they said he had been fighting crime for seven years and they started the story up there? I mean, you still wouldn't have seen it. It still would have been that. So. Right. But do you think if things were different? Um, you know, with the little things that, like you mentioned, do you, do you think the reaction would have been different? You know, if Batman was fighting, fighting crime for eight, those eight years or seven years or whatever it was, and you know, at the end, uh, there was no John Blake. It was just Batman going out and doing his thing again. Do you think there would be a different reaction from what we've got? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I definitely think there'd been a different re- reaction if it would have been the Riddler doing all of it instead of Bane. Uh, yeah. There would have been a lot more presence, I think, in the toy market and kids and maybe shirts and things like that and the question mark all over the place. Um, I wonder, though, what the reaction would be if, um, you know, had Batman died at the end, would it have gotten more of an impact uh, than just him living, living happily ever after? Um, but, I, you know, I don't know. I just think people – I think the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight got – such great reviews and it was so well liked that the people who kind of didn't like it just kind of just shut their mouth and waited and then once the dark knight rises came out with an ending which no matter what you do the ending's not going to satisfy everybody because everybody has their own opinion on an ending so once you had the ending then those naysayers were just ready to just pounce and come out but um i don't know what do you think do you think it would have been different if the the ending or the the, the seven year gap wouldn't have been in there or the ending would have been different i mean story wise yeah it would have been different but i don't really think that it would have made a difference if he was fighting crime for for those eight, seven or eight years you know if at the end you know he he was it was just another day for batman yeah, yeah. i mean I, I i i just don't i just don't see how that would have made the movie better be, because I mean I know people on the internet complain about you know he's only been Batman for what two years or whatever you know of actually being Batman um, but you know in the end I don't I don't think for Bruce Wayne's story that it would have really made a difference yeah I agree I, you know I think the big problem too is I think a lot of people went to the movie looking for the Batman from the comics. And the Batman from the or or, yeah. or I would say the Batman from the Dark Knight, yeah. Because people, you know, we had three years of constantly watching that movie, and people expected to see that Batman, yeah, again. Well, and you know, the Batman from the comics and the animated series is different. You know, he's he's the yeah. the guy who 
His parents were shot and killed in front of him. And so every night he goes out with vengeance to make sure that that never happens again. You know, he's never gotten over his parents' murder. He's never moved on. And every night he goes out to try to fight crime and make sure that another little boy will not experience that or, you know, someone else won't, won't be a victim of crime. Where in the movie, it's different. He's not, like, just tormented by his parents' death. You know, he's not out there fighting crime to avenge his parents. And they say it right in the first movie at a very specific thing. He wanted to give Gotham hope. He wanted to give Gotham a symbol, something that would be everlasting, and to basically clean up the, that corruption that was in Gotham that he saw when he went to go kill, you know, Joe Chill and then met, you know, the gangsters. And they were, you know, he saw the root of Gotham's evil and he wanted to wipe that out. And through the Dent Act and through... Um, you know, creating Batman for that time and through working with Commissioner Gordon, he accomplished that, up, you know, up to that point. There was no need for that Batman anymore. But people are, are looking for the Batman from the comic who every month is out fighting something else. And Nolan created something different. And I, you know, I think it's unfair to criticize it because Nolan told you right there in Batman Begins, right? Even before he's Batman, he's sitting on the plane with Alfred you know, and he says he wants to create a symbol, create something that's, you know, can't be corrupted, that's everlasting for Gotham. Yeah. And that's what he does. That's what he did. So it was, you know, mission mission accomplished up till, you know, Bane and Talia show up. So I think it's pretty unfair that people, you know, criticize it for something that it's not when they told you what it would be and they lived up to that. Yeah, but I mean, in the end, I'm sure we can all agree that The Dark Knight Rises came out and then it quickly disappeared for some reason. I mean... Of course, it was because of the shootings, um, you know, Warner Brothers pulling their or some of their ads and their premieres and stuff like that. And um, I, I just think it went away just way too fast. W whereas, you know, you, you you have the Avengers where, I mean, you go into your super your local supermarket and you see Avengers stuff all over the place, but you don't see Batman stuff. Yeah, Avengers was way more kid friendly, even though they were both PG-13 uh it lend itself so much more to all that kid stuff that i think you know dc is just missing the the boat with or warner brothers i should say by not getting out more of their their kid friendly stuff in the end i just feel like it didn't get the the justice or respect that it deserved and i mean the, that snub at the oscars was just the icing on the on a giant cake <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you have anything else to say about that, uh, Terrence? No, I think we pretty covered it. The only thing I'd say to wrap up is I think, though, kind of like maybe like the Godfather movies, kind of like the original Star Wars, um, you know, I think in the future people will kind of judge the three movies together as one whole, one thing, and and, and the, the differences won't be perceived as much. But, um, you know, right, right after the fact, um, yeah, it definitely feels like the third movie got snubbed. Definitely. Um so I guess we can just move on to this, this zero, zero year thing by by Scott Snyder. And, um, you know, just right up top, before you give your comments, Terrence, I just want to say I've actually been pissed off at Scott Snyder this past two, <laughs> these past two weeks. Not only for this, but for um, for his comments about Harper Rowe. Uh, that she's not design, quote unquote designed to be a Robin, and that he's sad that just because she's there, think that you know she's going to become Robin. Um, but what really pissed me off is why didn't he just say no, no, Harper isn't going to be Robin? Why is he milking this? I mean, it, after reading Batman number eighteen, 
which we'll get to later. I mean, if it's not Harper, I don't know who could possibly be Robin. I mean, j- just his attitude where he's he's saying, you know, she's not designed to be Robin. I feel bad for people who think she's going to be Robin, and she's supposed to be my interpretation of what it's like for a teenage uh, a teenager to live in Gotham. So if if that's all all of her use to Scott Snyder, who's the only person that's writing it, then why are you wasting our time with Batman number 18 and the the one he did with Becky Cloonan and introducing her in the Court of Owls? What's the point of that? Yeah, actually, I didn't, I didn't even uh, have a chance to read his comments. I'm pretty shocked by that. Um, you know, when I read 18, I know we'll get to that. To me, you know, I kind of saw it a little bit as grooming her as a Robin. Um, if you if you read the Tim Drake stuff and how Tim Drake got started, it, it was like word for word almost like Tim Drake. Like Tim Drake knew was able to figure out that Batman um, was Bruce Wayne and that Jason Todd had died and was Robin, and um, saw how Batman was just going over the edge and just losing it um, and going to the dark side, you know, uh, and needed that Robin to pull him back into the light. And it was almost the same exact kind of story in in number 18 with the harper row um, yeah but i i mean the thing is is you know um tim drake was introduced and you know he made all these deductions and stuff like that we got yeah. to know the character with the lonely place of dying um story but like if you're gonna come out and say that harper row isn't gonna be or she's not designed to be robin but yet you're grooming her to be a robin what it seems like in batman number 18 yeah um then then why are you doing this i mean it was pretty clear back in the day that tim drake was gonna be robin and he ended up being robin there was nobody saying that oh you know tim drake isn't designed to be robin you know and and there was no lead on it was you know introduction a little more stuff, he's Robin, right? Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm really surprised Snyder would say that because why not just, like, be coy? Why not play with the audience a little bit and just be like, oh, well, yeah, that's a great idea, or maybe if the fans want that. And then I'm kind of shocked by his comment to say that she's just, you know, the average teenager in Gotham when she's, like, meeting Batman on rooftops and is a genius when it comes to, you know, electrical engineering and, you know, has a dad in prison and all these uh, homosexual issues with her brother. And, you know, it just doesn't sound like your average Gotham teen. Uh, To me, when I read it, I thought she would make a great Oracle because I think they're missing that component uh, in the comics of having that Oracle and having that, you know, person on the headsets and the coordinator and sending information. And as I was reading it, I was like, wow, she would make a great Oracle. Um, But Yeah, but I mean, I I agree with you that she would make a great Oracle. She she would... uh make a great Robin but I feel that if she becomes an Oracle type or even a Robin type or even Robin himself or even Oracle um, that she's going to end up in you know Cass's spot or Steph's spot where you know where are they now because I mean the only person writing Harper O is is Scott Snyder so you can't lead an audience like that I mean it's you, you can't just write a couple of stories to get your audience closer to this character that you created. And then let's say you leave the book. Um, what's going to happen to her? Yeah. You see, that's, that's what I don't get. So I think she's treading on, you know, Cass, Cass's footsteps and Steph's footsteps that she, she's, um, she's going to leave her mark on 
the books and then she's going to be gone. And, and that's one of the things that burns people out on comics. And I know the times when I've kind of stopped reading comics uh, here and there is just because you get burned out because these writers come in and they create these great characters. They create these great worlds. And then a new writer comes in and everything disappears and it's all back to square one. A good example of that's Catwoman right now. I mean, um, Catwoman was <laughs> a great series and they had this great world and Catwoman had a baby and you had Slam Bradley in there and all this whole great infrastructure all around Catwoman and now it's all gone and turned to garbage, you know, and so I just stopped even reading Catwoman. You know, the thing with this zero year thing is why why now? I mean, yeah. you just got off of a Joker story, and before that, the Court of Owls story, and before that, you had your Black Mirror story. So, I mean, why now? This is going to go on for 11 weeks. I mean, 11 months, yeah. sorry. So, if you're going to – I mean, I know he says it's not going to you know, rewrite Batman's history, but we've heard that before, and we end up with Red Hood. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, I'm just wondering why why now? And I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Terrence? Well, well I thought it was really weird. Yeah, why now? It, this would have been good to come out with uh as issue 1, um just kind of like how Grant Morrison in Action Comics number 1, you know, came out with, you know, Superman in the jeans and the t-shirt before he was known as Superman. And I was really surprised too when I first saw this and the cover. I thought it would be a mini series or some kind of maxi series. Um which would have been great for the Batman. I mean, uh, for Batman, not particularly in the Batman ongoing. Yeah, it just seemed like a really weird place for it. You know, if this was zero year issue one on the shelf, Snyder and Capullo, I think it would sell a lot more. And it just seems kind of weird, you know, to be whatever issue this will come out in, you know, nineteen twenty two, something like that. You know, it's just kind of a weird. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not only that. It's it's more like why do we have to see this? We know this story. We've seen it a thousand a million a billion times before so why now i mean i know scott snyder hasn't really you know uh done anything with the history of batman in the new 52 but why now especially after you got off your joker story where you did so much good so much good and i'm not saying this is going to be bad i'm sure it'll be good too i'm sure we'll give it positive reviews on this podcast but this is the exact same problem i had with the Amazing Spider-Man movie. Why did we have to see the whole uh, origin story of of Spider-Man again? You know, and that's what also made Dread such a good movie because we see Dread. You know, he's a full character. We don't see anything of his history. Mm-hmm. You know, he just shows up on the job, does his job, story's over. So why do we have to see this again? Yeah, especially for Batman, who we know so well. Uh, exactly. And I don't want to bash the work because we haven't seen it yet. And Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, we're not going to bash it because I'm sure it'll be good yeah. because it's Scott Snyder. But I do want to bash what he said here. And you had posted this on the site. And this is Snyder says, uh, we, we tried to preserve as much of Batman's history as we could and keep what we could of his history intact. It's zero year. The one that no one has told the story before. We see how Bruce became Batman, built the cave, faced off with the first supervillain. And I don't know how he could say no one has told that story before when I've seen and read that story. <laughs> Any time, I mean, Batman Begins is that story. We see him build the cave and become Batman. You know, we've we've seen that even year one, uh, you know, half of year one, he's not Batman yet. He's, you know, yeah. becoming Batman. He's fighting in that army jacket and finally, you know, at the rings the bell. And that's when, the moment he becomes Batman. 
so and I'm sure in, in many stories and annuals and all kinds of stuff, we've seen Bruce becoming, you know, Batman. So if he's got his take on it and he's got, you know, a new twist on it, I'll be the first to buy it and I'll enjoy reading it. But I just I have trouble with him saying no one's told this story before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I mean, you bring up the quote, the Scott Snyder quote and. You know, in the first little piece, it says, let's not redo – I mean, we're not going to redo the origin in short. Um, but then, like, the next line, he says, we tried to preserve as much of Batman's history as we could and keep what we could of the of this history intact. Didn't he just contradict himself right there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say it's going to be bad because it's going to be good. But, like I've said before – why do we have to see this now? You're on such a roll with the current Batman. Um, in fact, you're you're the head writer of the Batman titles, pretty yeah. much. I don't know if he's that entitled, but you know, it, it sure seems like that. He writes the best Batman. So, so why are you going back? Why don't you go forward? Why don't you leave your mark on the future instead of the past? Is you know where I'm coming from anyway? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I had no problem if he was doing that and then did this on the side. As a miniseries, kind of like how they did with Gates of Gotham, going back, sort of telling some of the history of Gotham um, in a miniseries. But this, especially, he's he's built this Batman family and brought the whole Batman family kind of closer together as a crime-fighting unit and just added so much character development in all of the the Batman family. And now to just sort of go back to year zero before he's met any of them for a let. And if this was like a three issue run or something, it'd be okay. But it'll be eleven issues before yeah. we see them back in the present. And that just seems like all that momentum might will probably be gone by then. Yeah, and I mean we're not going to see a new Scott Snyder story set in the present this year. I mean we're not going to see anything this year from him. And then. And, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just to say, and the Superman or the Batman Superman title coming out is set in the past, and Grant Morrison will be ending his run on um, Batman Incorporated in the next couple months. Which so, which means the only present Batman will have are you know the Dark Knight, Detective Comics, and um, I'm drawing a blank on whatever the other one is. Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. That's it. Thank yeah. you. Which will be now be Batman and insert. <laughs> oh, oh wait, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Batman and dot dot dot. <laughs> yeah, and those have been inconsistent to be nice, bad at times. So <laughs> it's it's not like he's leaving the the present Batman in these great hands where we're going to you know like you know it's going to be a while before we get back on track. I think that's so I think this could be a disaster. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just unsure. I mean, I know it's going to be good, but I'm just unsure how, I mean, not so much the writing is going to be, but how I'm going to interpret that writing Yeah. in the Batman universe. But um, speaking of the new titles, I guess, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I, I couldn't think of a good um, segue, but um, there's going to be a Batman uh, 1966 digital comic series, which will be eventually collected in physical comic form so does this interest you at all terrence uh actually it kind of does a little bit i've been kind of getting into the digital comics i um read the uh, injustice gods among us uh I, and i actually read the whole i think there's 10 issues now out and i read them oh. all in, in a couple days and they're they're pretty cool because they're only 99 cents and yeah. they're, they're shorter and they're designed for the digital format so they look really good on the iPhone, it, it, a lot, sometimes the paper ones, when they're transferred, 
you know, they weren't designed to be read digitally, so they don't, you know, transfer as well. Um, and the, these, since they're designed for the digital world, they, they look really great and they flow really well. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's a good little read, you know, 99 cents, pop it up, read it. Um, so, you know, if, if it's well-written and the art looks fun and it, it, it's a, um, it'll be fun. I'm not going to, you know, be waking up at, you know, first thing in the morning and downloading it right away. And I Are you sure about that, Terrence? Yeah. You're not going to be, okay, I got to get up. I got to read this before work. <laughs> yeah. But, um, it'll, it, you know, I'll definitely check out the first few issues and, uh, or first when they come out and, uh, yeah. you know, hopefully it'll, it'll be fun and, uh, maybe, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they try to add a little bit. Uh, modern storytelling to it or they go just way into 1960s and it's just sort of like the show in comics or if they make it a little bit more like Batman Brave and the Bold and try to um, make Batman a little more serious and a little more credible uh, so I mean if it's if it's just like this the TV show I'll probably not read it very long if they <laughs> yeah if it's kind of inspired by the TV show but yet it's got a little serious edge and it's got, you know, good storytelling. Um, then, yeah, it might be fun to see some new stories in that world. Yeah, you know what I think? I I think they're going full steam ahead with the um, this sort of 60s um, camp with this with this series. But, it, um, yeah, I have to say the art is really nice, um, especially that Catwoman, you know, where she's laying on the bed with the cat statue mm-hmm. or cat or whatever that is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have to say I really like the art. They really did capture the the '60s show, as cheesy as that sounds. Yeah. Uh, but but um, man, it looks real good. Yeah. And uh, Batman is in purple. Or, yeah. or is he? No, no, he's blue. All right. So the next uh, piece of news we have is the Batman Beyond and the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited animated series are coming to Netflix. Right after the day after this this episode comes out, it seems like yeah yeah the tw- the thirtieth March thirtieth the Batman Beyond uh, series will have all of its seasons on um, Netflix streaming and uh, what is it uh, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited will have the first two seasons and Batman Brave and the Bold. Um, yeah, that's also coming to Netflix. We'll we'll have its first season on Netflix streaming. So, Terrence, aren't you so excited? <laughs> you know, I, I kind of am a little bit. Uh, half of these I have on DVD already. Um, yeah. Some of them I've bought digitally on iTunes or Amazon Prime. Uh, but it'll be nice to get on Netflix for free um, or for the monthly subscription price. And then, you know, you can see that on the ones I have on DVD and stuff we can see on my phone. Um, what I'm excited about with this, though, is hopefully it might lead to um, Star Wars: The Clone Wars being put on Netflix because I have not watched that yet. And, oh God, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> and I haven't gone out and purchased the DVDs they, yet, and I'd really like to watch that. And so that was on Cartoon Network, and so these are Cartoon Network shows. And now Star Wars is owned by Disney, and Netflix has got a bunch of. Marvel stuff and Disney stuff. I, Netflix signed a contract with Disney, so a lot of the Disney movies are on Netflix. The the Marvel shows like uh, Amazing Spider-Man and um, yeah. what's the other one? Uh, a bunch of the Spider-Man ones. I think they've got every Spider-Man series on there, and the Hulk and a lot of a lot of the Marvel stuff is on Netflix. So, and the thing I like too about Netflix with these 
is you can kind of turn it on, start the first show, and it'll just keep playing. So I could like do stuff and have it on in the background, and it'll just play. Uh, and if I'm out with the kids, because my stepdaughter loves all these shows, so I don't have to worry about having the DVD or <laughs> just pop it on. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy about this. You know, it's I'm not going crazy because I I've seen all these shows before and I have them on <laughs> DVD, and you know, it's just one more format. But um, yeah, it's 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 a good thing, and hopefully maybe some more people who have not watched the shows but to have Netflix will will watch them and it'll create some new fans. Yeah, and you know what I'm really hoping? I mean, this is a total pipe dream, not gonna ha- happen whatsoever. But you know how Netflix has their own original programming? No. Yeah. They have like a couple of series. What I would like to see is like a. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be half an hour length. It could be like ten minutes of maybe a Justice League animated show, or maybe bring back the ba- the the Batman Beyond animated show. I mean, just you know, ten minutes at a time or whatever. But yeah. I mean, that's totally not gonna happen. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was actually thinking the same thing because I know one of my all-time favorite shows is Arrested Development, and they're coming back for a Netflix series uh, oh, this year. I see. Yeah, and uh, I was thinking maybe they'll they'll come out, especially with Batman: The Brave and the Bold, um, because I I remember you know your good friend Bob Tilly was interviewing. I think it was was it Dwayne McDuffie he interviewed about the show, and they they talked about how um, you know. Uh, they're not shown on reruns like the old shows. Like I watched the Super Friends and Scooby Doo and the Jetsons as a kid, and those shows were rerun again and again and again. I mean, I think yeah. the Jetsons and the Flintstones were made before I was born. Yet I've seen every episode fifteen, twenty times as a kid because they were constantly on. You know, and Batman: Brave and the Bold, it was like it aired, then it had a repeat once or twice, and then it's gone. And and so kids don't have those opportunities to see it as much so hopefully they can see it some more maybe they'll 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 make some shorts or make some uh original netflix programming for it yeah you know you you bring up a really good point i mean you know batman i mean back like i don't know like 10 years ago the batman beyond and the um batman the animated series were re-airing on television and i've only seen those shows on rerun and you look at today with Young Justice and Green Lantern. I mean, th- those are both gone, but they, I mean, even the Clone Wars, yeah, they they don't rerun at all. I mean, I don't get why Cartoon Network never really reran those shows. I mean, they they only reran, you know, I don't know Johnny Test or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's missing out. It's like with me with the Clone Wars. Like, I'd like to watch it, but it's not on in reruns, and I don't want to drop $25, $30 for a season of shows, which I'm not even sure if I like them or not yet. So, yeah. uh, you know, if they had them on reruns and I liked it, I'd, I'd buy it. You know, normally people buy the, the discs and, and download it uh, after they've watched it already and like it, and you know. Exactly. I mean, for me with the Clone Wars, I bought them all digitally, and then... I realized that I needed to buy the disc. So, I mean, right there, that's like 60 bucks yeah. um, for one season. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would love to see these things rerun or on Netflix streaming or um, something like that. And, and why isn't Batman um, the animated series on Netflix? Yeah. Already? <laughs> it just seems like an odd choice. Like, they were cher- cherry-picking series. Like, um, okay, this one's going to be Batman Beyond. 
Batman Brave and the Bold, the Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. That's what we're going to put out for now. It's just weird. Yeah, hopefully it'll be on soon. Do you think, um, you mentioned Young Justice and yeah. the Green Lantern series. Do you think they'll make digital comics for them, kind of like how they did Smallville season what, 11? I doubt it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially with the Young Justice one. Yeah. Because there's been a lot of... You know, things on the internet were, you know, saying that the only reason why Justice League, I mean, um, Young Justice didn't uh, get another season was because it didn't sell enough toys and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm thinking with that, I highly doubt it. <laughs> yeah. But but you never know. I mean, yeah. you just never know with these things. But um, all right, so I guess we can get into some comic book reviews. Um, we're going to spoil the crap out of them. So if you haven't read the comics, you might want to come back. And listen to this a little bit later after you've read all all of the comics from the past two weeks. Uh, but for this episode, we're covering the weeks of March 13th and March 20th. For March 13th, we have Batman and Robin number 18, Batman number 18, ba- and Batgirl number 18. For March 20th, we have Nightwing number 18, Batwoman number 18, Red Hood number 18, Catwoman number 18, but nobody read it. Because uh, it sucks now, <laughs> and uh, Justice League number eighteen, which nobody else, no, nobody read too, um, and it really had nothing to do with with uh, Batman, right? Terrence? Right, but we'll be talking about it on the Cyborg podcast later this week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe we should start a Cyborg podcast <laughs> yeah. because I mean, like, how many podcasts? I mean, how many Batman podcasts are on the internet right now? Like, I would say like seven or eight to be liberal. Yeah. Um, or to be conservative, sorry. Um, but Cyborg Podcast? I think nothing. We'd be the only ones. In the- <laughs> we'd be the only ones. See, we can I corner the market. Not- yeah. <laughs> <That's fun. laughs> and uh, I think it would be safe to say that we would have the same amount of listeners, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like three people. Oh, no, wait. I'm being too... That's too much. I would say about one and a half, right? We about we have to find out if Alex likes Cyborg before we can do that. So, <laughs> right. So our our one and a half listeners is Alex, and like a guy that's been chopped in half, or, <laughs> yeah. or was born without any legs or lower torso. But anyways, Terrence, stop sidetracking me stop. with your <laughs> cyborg. I got big plans for the podcasting world here. <laughs> or we could do a Martian Manhunter podcast. Or uh, um, uh, what's that guy's name? He used to be in the Justice League before the New Fifty Two. Um, old or uh, Plastic Man? Oh, Plastic Man! Yeah. yeah, Plastic Man. Plastic Man podcast. You know, we could uh, wear that sh- those, those shiny sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, the shiny Elvis sunglasses. Um, this would be the podcast every week. It would be like, all right, so in Plastic Man news, there is no news. <laughs> there was nothing. <laughs> there was also no comics. Yeah. So <laughs> this is going to be a, like a 30-second podcast. Bye, everybody. See yeah. you. <laughs> Anyways, Terrence, stop sidetracking me. Man. Yeah. It's like you become Tim. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, from March 13th. You know what? Let's start it off with background number 18. How's that sound? That sounds good. Terrence, why don't you go first on this one? Okay. Um, for this one, I was very disappointed. Oh, wait. You know what we forgot to do, Terrence? Our rating we forgot system? to say our rating scale. That's, that's so, Tim's job. So this he's one, not here. Yeah. Yeah. See, Tim always reminds me, and he's not here, and I'm crying now <laughs> yeah. in the corner. <laughs> no. Um, 
Our rating scale for this week is going to be that fan's co-host that didn't show up because they hate everybody. <laughs> How does that sound? That sounds great. Okay, so uh, sorry, I interrupted you, Terrence. That's fine. So Batgirl number 18. Um, and I'll start with the positives on Batgirl number 18. I, I like the cover. I thought the cover was great. Um, it had, you know, Batgirl crying, great pose with the the Robin um, on her shoulder. Everything after that, I really didn't like in this issue. Um, the whole story with her brother has just gotten a little overdone and overplayed. And I hate the fact that the brother, James, is the narrator of the story. I just don't think that works. I just, you know, um, just having yeah. him, just for me, it doesn't work. And then she's fighting this guy, Firefly. And then in the story, they have um, Batman come to Jim Gordon, who probably, aside from Alfred and the Robins and Barbara, you'd have to say that Jim Gordon is probably Batman or Bruce Wayne's closest friend or closest ally. Um, and so this is the moment where Batman is going to tell Jim Gordon that, you know, Robin is dead. Robin, you know, his, his son, not just a Robin, but Robin, who was his son, is dead. And they don't even show it. They just kind of like do it off off camera, basically, to say. And to me, I do understand how dramatically sometimes not showing things and allowing the the reader or the viewer's imagination to fill in the gaps works. But in this time, I just thought it was a cop out. I mean, if you're going to show Batman uh, or have Batman tell his closest friend um, or, you know, that his son just died, you have to show that you have to have that dialogue you have to draw those scenes and show the emotion. You can't just do it as an aside. And then, you know, same thing. Then Jim Gordon calls Barbara to tell him, uh, I mean, sorry, to tell her um, that Robin died. And yeah, yeah, I mean, not, not that you mention it, Terrence, um, that scene really did feel rushed and kind of just plopped in there for no reason. Yeah. I mean, I would have rather Jim Gordon either found out another way and – you know, call Barbara, like maybe he heard it on the police blog or maybe, you know, a rumor or something, what, whatever, just do it a different way. Don't have, you know, right in the middle of a story about, you know, James Gordon um, Jr. and the Firefly and then Batman come in to tell him and then leave it off. And I thought maybe, oh, maybe they'll say it in a, a different issue. Maybe that is just like a tie in and in Batman 18 or Nightwing 18 or or um, you would see that, but it never happened. And then when she tell she finds out, it's also kind of I felt like another cop out because the panels don't really show her. And then she says like, "Oh, Bruce," and they're not even showing her. They're showing like her her bandages on her arm and leg. And then she tries to call Dick Grayson, and it's it it just it just like you said seemed rushed, didn't seem genuine, didn't deliver the emotional impact that I was expecting. You know, I don't want to see. Uh, a picture of her bandaged hand while she's finding out this information. You want to see the emotion in her face. Um, right. And um, and then like two panels later, she's like, all right, well, just forget about it and get to work on the case. Um, and after that, the issue just kind of really lost me. Um, and so um, I know this is a short review, but I just kind of, I kind of zoned out there. And then like on the second to last page, the artwork just looks so weird. It, they, they have this full p uh, picture of a, uh, Batgirl, and I don't know, just the, the anatomy just looked just very weird. So um, I'd probably give this half a uh, – Wow. Yeah, it's probably my lowest review ever. Maybe half a star or half, uh, half a uh, 
co-host who hates everybody so much that they refuse to show up today uh, for the <laughs> podcast. Um, and uh, I just don't think this even deserved to have that Requiem on the cover, kind of like how you said that about Detective Comics last, yeah. last podcast. Like, that's only on there just to try to get somebody to buy a comic. Uh, and uh, the same thing uh, later on when we talk about Red Hood and they, Red Hood um, number 18, I, that did not deserve to have Requiem on the cover either, but, you know, it sells some comics, so they put it on there. But uh, maybe you liked it, Dane. So how'd you feel about Batgirl 18? <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm with you, Terrence. <laughs> I mean, I know I gave uh, Batgirl number 17 a good review, but I think that what I liked about last issue you know, which was the James inner monologue, actually hurt this issue. I felt that it was kind of a burden to read. You know, it kind of, you know, s- separated stor- the um, the story from the narration. And, you know, I also feel that Ray Fox just tries way too hard to make James Babs' Joker. I mean, I guess that was kind of the intention to begin with, you know, to be Barbara Joker, but it, it felt like it was just too much and... You know, what makes it even worse is the fact that the inner monologue and, you know, James's dialogue doesn't sound like him, like we've read in Scott Snyder's Black Mirror uh, run. But, I mean, I, I, I know it's, you know, <laughs> it's a different writer of different qualities, I guess. But, you know, as for the story, if this is the end of the story, it was really forgettable. You know, after the... You know, that whole really cheesy scene that kind of mirrored the uh, scene from Spider-Man 2 where, you know, the Gotham Gotham citizens, they go looking for for Batgirl, you know, after the building collapses. Mm -hmm. You know, there just isn't much to it. (laughs) There's just nothing to this issue. Uh, Pretty much James sets up his plan again and, you know, goes looking for his mother who was somehow one step ahead of him which i didn't really get a while it was in it in this issue and b isn't the mother kind of overkill at this point because she was introduced we got that whole shocking thing and then we got the whole uh death in the death of the family uh scene with the mother yeah. now we have this where she's going to be in the story again you know to me this this issue really doesn't do anything for the ongoing story or batgirl or Barbara, because we've been sort of stuck in this whole James getting his master plan or plot or whatever it is ready, you know, the only difference is that, um, you know, last last week we had to kind of struggle through the, the firebug thing, you know, and, and with this issue, we get a conclusion to that story. But still, like, I, I couldn't help but think that Ray Fox really did nothing with Firebug in this issue, in, in these last two issues. And, you know, I, I was wondering why he was in, even in the story to begin with. But then, you know, I, I realized that I didn't really care. Yeah. Uh, nor do I care about James's master plan. Uh, but, um, God, I want to say something nice about this, but I'm, I'm just drawing a blank on it. Um, I, I did like the cover, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, the the cover was good, but um, you know the requiem requiem moment that was just downright forgettable. You know, Babs gets a call from her dad, and then she calls Dick, who's too busy to talk to her. Like the detective requiem moment, this one was just poorly written and you know jammed in there because that would that's what's going on in the Batman universe. So um, 
Yeah, I've got nothing really to say about Batgirl. <laughs> this one, you know, was pretty forgettable. And I actually would have forgot that it came out if it wasn't, you know, for the cover, which is really nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm right there with you, Terrence. I'm going to give it a half out of five. Um, co-hosts that didn't show up because they hate everybody. So I guess we can move on to Batman number 18 if you want to do that one. Yeah, sounds good. Cool. Um, yeah, you know, this issue was kind of a, um, a change of pace, uh, and we talked a little bit about it um, because the art um, was not done by Greg Capullo. Um, it was done by Andy Kubert, uh, which I've really liked his artwork. And I didn't even realize this until I was kind of looking through some stuff and forgot because um, I was rereading some of the Damian Wayne stuff. Uh, Andy Kubert was actually the artist um, when Grant Morrison started his run and was the artist on the Batman and Son. So he was the artist who first originally drew Damien. So I thought that was kind of cool. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even realize it either. I was looking through some stuff. And I was like, oh, wow, look at that. So um, it was kind of cool to have him back and kind of have a Requiem issue with the, you know, the artist who first drew him. Um, and like I said, this, this uh, issue gave was basically, you know, Harper Row centric. She was front and center. And, um, I never disliked Harper Row. She never, when she first came out, she didn't really grab me. In fact, when, when I think on one of the podcasts I mentioned, it said fan favorite Harper Row. And I was kind of like, who's that? And she got offended, Dane. You're like, you don't remember her? And I was like, I just, I, I just. Didn't remember her, but this issue really made me like her a lot. Um, and like we said, I, I think she would make a great Robin, or I think she would make a great uh, Oracle, or even if she had her own, you know, new character that was different, but, you know, like Night, how Dick Grayson became Nightwing, maybe she's something new. She doesn't have to be another something, um, or even if she's just still a part of the Batman universe, I think she's pretty cool. And it gave a good, more background into her family life with her father being in prison and how she's going out there um, at night, keeping tabs on Batman, trying to help him, realizing that he's going over the edge, going over the dark side, which was really reminiscent, like we said before, of, you know, Tim Drake and the Lonely Place of Dying um, storyline. And I really like that, and I really like the parallel. I thought, wow, this is really good how they're doing this, um, and how Batman was getting sloppy, and you know his sloppiness could actually cost him and, and kill him. Um, the one thing I don't like about Harper Row, which um, maybe people can disagree, is I don't like her nose ring. And I'm not a huge fan of nose rings. <laughs> of all the things to be pissed off about, yeah. Terrence. <laughs> but my problem with it is the way it's drawn like if she was in a movie with it or something it'd be okay but the way it's drawn a lot of times it just looks like she's got boogers hanging out of her nose and it's very distracting um so i don't know maybe but other than that i i really like the character a lot um and i like the the batman's kind of trying to teach her that lesson of you know this is pretty dangerous and ends up breaking her nose which i was kind of wondering how the nose ring is in there, uh, and then at the end they have um, the, the the nice moment where she kind of is trying to touch his heart, you know. And w at one point Harper Row meets Bruce Wayne, and I don't know how you felt, Dane, but I I thought she was confronting Bruce Wayne to say like I know you're Batman, but then I got the the gist of it that um, she she didn't really know that Bruce Wayne's Batman. She just knows he's connected and funds Batman Incorporated. Um, 
and so um, you know, overall, this was this was a, a much different issue than we were seeing with the whole death of the family. And I couldn't believe when it came out. I was like, Batman 18's out already. Didn't Batman 17 just come out? And I was like, you know, but it was a month. Uh, that month flew by really fast. Uh, right. So I I like this. I'll give this uh, four, maybe even four and a half um, uh, co co hosts who hate everybody so much that they didn't show up today. Um, but I know you like Harper Rodane, so I'm curious how about the uh, issue. Well, I mean, despite what I've, what I said in the beginning of this podcast about Scott Snyder making me mad, um, this is his way to shut me up, <laughs> <laughs> to be to be plain about it. But um, yeah, uh, this was yet another great issue by Scott Snyder, and um, you know, I think Harper Rowe is becoming one of my favorite characters in the in the Batman universe. She's right up there with, with Batwoman. I, I think that it picks up really well from, you know, where the last time we saw Harper and her brother. And, you know, of course, it was great to see Bruce lose it and bust her nose, which was kind of unexpected. I, I did not expect Bruce to do that, but that was great. And I have to say that, you know, after reading this issue, if, if Harper... I mean, it's, it's like I said in the beginning of this podcast. If Harper isn't the prime candidate for the Robin role or something like it, I don't know who is. I really don't. Um, you know, from what we've seen here and in every issue she's ever been in, she's absolutely perfect. And I don't see any fault with her besides the fact that, you know, she has a brother and, you know, some family left. And she's... uh She's a little older than, than the other Robins. But to put it shortly, I don't see why not, to be honest. But besides that, the story in this issue was amazing. I mean, I'll have to admit that. Like I said, this is how Scott Snyder just shuts me up whenever I complain about him. You know, it, especially all of the stuff at the end where, you know, Harper tells Bruce about her mother. And I thought her example of her mother was a great analogy for Bruce and Gotham because it's essentially a reminder for Bruce and us, you know, especially now that he's, he's lost his son about why he chose to become Batman. And it was a great analogy for why Gotham needs Batman also. But what I think makes this issue so good was the fact that it, it built upon Harper's character. You know, she's resilient and brave and all of these good things. And, you know, all of that stuff is is used really good in this issue because Bruce is depressed and sad and grief stricken and he can't see those good those good qualities in Harper which I found to be really a really nice nice way to show how far you know Bruce is taking this loss I mean he should because you know he's a parent that lost his child but yeah I I liked everything about this issue I I also felt that you know Cullen you know uh, Harper Harper's brother was was really well used in this issue, not only, you know, for the father angle, but as an analogy for giving people a second chance. You know, he wasn't just in this issue just because he's really close with his with his sister. And um, more than anything, he serves a purpose. But yeah, anyway, I I love this issue from top to bottom, and I'll be let down if Harper doesn't end up becoming Robin. Or if she doesn't work with Batman, or if she, she ends up being the next staff or cast. Um, so yeah, I really like this issue. The art was great by Andy Kubert and that other guy. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Um, so I'm probably going to give this one four and a half out of five. Uh, co-hosts that hate all of you 
very, very much with all of their heart <laughs> and didn't show up today because they hate you. And can I add to, to your review? I was going to say a couple of things I thought of when you were, you were saying that is, uh, yeah, you're right. How it shows how, how Batman, when he, when he hits her and punches her, uh, how far he's gone. Uh, cause it's sort of like the only thing he can see in Harper is if you do this, you'll end up dead like Damien. Like he can't right. see that she'll contribute or do any of that. He just sees what happens to his son. And it actually, in some bizarre way, it shows how much he cares about her, that he doesn't want what happened to Damien to happen to her. And he, he he's, he's kind of blinded by that. Like you do this, you're dead. Um, and I mean, the, the thing about her becoming Robin, they've retconned what Robin is. You know, the, before the new 52, Robin, you know, Batman basically adopted a son or, or would adopt a kid and it would become part of his life and he would be Robin for a long time. Now they've said Robin is like an internship and you're only Robin for a few months or a year and a half and then you move on uh, unless you're Tim Drake and then you're Red Robin for a couple months. So with the new definition of what is a Robin, I, I don't see any reason why she could not hold that mantle and get her training for a few months or 18 months in, you know, comic book time and it would fit perfectly other than that yeah. Bruce just doesn't want anyone to be a Robin anymore because of what happened to Damien. But if Damien comes back to life, then things might change. Um, and uh, there, there was a lot of rumors on about is Damien going to be in the Injustice Gods Among Us game? He was in the digital comic this week, so he's alive in the in, uh, Gods Among Us digital comic world. So, <laughs> and they haven't announced Robin in the game, and the game, it's, the game will be coming around right around when Batman Inc. number 12 comes around, So, and his grandfather does have a Lazarus pit, so you know, <laughs> it, it, things may change. Yeah. You know what would be really crappy if... They they brought back Damien the same way they brought back Jason. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. I I don't even know how they brought back Jason because they've changed it around so much. Because originally they had oh yeah you're right like you're Superboy right. Prime punched the walls of the universe and caused Jason Todd to come alive and be you know claw through the coffin. But then I guess he was so crazy and then Talia put him in the Lazarus pit. But then they're saying. She just put him in the Lazarus pit, and so yeah. it's become so muddled that I don't even know how Jason Todd came back to life. <laughs> you know what I was just thinking about? Like um, you were talking about the the pre New Fifty Two, where Bruce would just adopt a random kid, yeah, <laughs> and then and then they, they they would leave when they got old. Um, and I was also thinking about the Dark Knight Rises because you know John Blake, um, you know he was. It seemed like he was pretty young when he went into the boys' home, but then he aged out. Yeah. So just thinking that it's a nice way of, I guess, <laughs> yeah. nice call out to the comics. But I saw um, a funny thing with him today. I didn't even realize this. I guess uh, who, who's the actor who played John Blake? I'm blanking on his Joseph name. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, thank you, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Heath yeah. Ledger were in a movie together. Uh, I think it was Ten Things I Hate About You. And yeah. and they had a picture of the two of them like in the lunch cafeteria. They looked the same, right? Yeah, they looked the same. And and yeah. the caption said, "Who knew the Joker and Robin went to high school together?" <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean that's true. Joseph Gordon-Levitt looks like Heath Ledger's younger brother. Yeah, yeah. So, did you know that Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in GI Joe? No, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, he played like a bad guy, like a guy with like a screwed up face or something. 
I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I I forgot that. Yeah, I, I I saw that movie in the theaters too. Yeah, I forgot that. Yeah. Yeah, he was in like heavy heavy prosthetic where you couldn't even recognize that it was him. Yeah. But um, yeah, I guess he's made some mistakes in his career. Yeah, every time I see him, I still think <laughs> of him as the little kid from Third Rock from the Sun. So. <laughs> Wasn't he also in uh, Angels of the Outfield? In the outfield or of the outfield? Or... Yeah, yeah, I think he was in that too. Yeah. Whatever that was. <laughs> Been around. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see enough of uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's filmography. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, let's do Batman and Robin number eighteen. Um, and do you mind if I go first? Terrence? Yeah, go ahead. Because uh, I've read what you had to see on Twitter. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, you know, th- this book, you know, really impressed me uh, this time around. You know, I actually didn't think I'd like this issue because I didn't think that Tomasi and especially Gleason could put could pull off a silent issue. Um, but man, like, was I wrong? Um, you know, I actually read the last couple of issues of Batman and Robin before I read this issue, and to see what Tomasi was building to, and you know, knowing that all of the progress that Damon and Bruce made in the relationship is no more. It's just absolutely heart-wrenching you know i actually felt really really depressed after reading this issue and um you know for me it wasn't so much the fact that damien's dead even though it does play into it but for me it's it's bruce's reaction to it and and really i feel that that's where the real requiem story lies you know within bruce you know sure it's interesting to see how alfred and barbara and dick you know react to it but um it all comes back to Bruce and how he deals with it. You know, I mean, it starts off stereotypically with everyone looking sad, with some sad-looking lighting in Wayne Manor with sad pictures and sad stuff. But then we see Bruce bury himself in his Batman work, you know, full-on. Like, he's not even thinking. He's just going going out and beating up people just to get away from his feelings. But then we see him in his quiet moments, you know, when he's not Batman, when he's not beating guys to a pulp. You know, he's he just essentially exists. And like it's it's great to see him in these moments where now he's truly alone and his regret and remorse and sadness and and to be honest, his broken heart shows itself and you know, he reacts by beating the crap out of the locker, you know, after reading uh the letter that Damien left him, which is just devastating to read. <laughs> I mean, especially after to everything we've been through. And in the end, you know, I've I feel that Tomasi build up, built up to Bruce screaming and crying and hugging Damien's Robin suit really, really well. You know, first you got Bruce hiding his emotions and, you know, he takes his anger out on some random thugs and, of course, Harper. And then, you know, you see him alone when his emotions get the better of him and he loses it on that locker. But in the end, I, I think that what Tomasi did really well was the fact that he shows... That Bruce can't hide his anger or sadness in what he thinks will work, what Bruce thinks will work, which is beating guys up and punching something hard. He just needs to essentially let them out and, you know, do all that crying and screaming. But in doing that, it makes Bruce more human because he's reacting like any parent who's lost a child uh, to terrible circumstances would act. Um, there's nothing that will take the pain away. So you just have to live with it and deal with it because, you know, 
Bruce will live with it for the rest of his life, and and nothing will ever make it better. You know, he he can only learn to live with it. But anyways, I've gone on rambling way too long, I guess. So you know, I'll just say that the art worked absolutely perfect with um, Tomasi's script, and I I couldn't have asked for anything more. And Tomasi didn't even have to write a single word. So I'm gonna give this one five out of five co-hosts that didn't show up because they hate everybody yeah i mean i i agree as you said people on twitter know how i feel about this and one of those co-hosts who didn't show up laura you know, she tweeted that uh or tweeted i should say that uh you know she started reading this on the bus and started crying and it's not a a bus read but um i don't know who peter tomasi and pat gleason and mick gray and the colorist i'm not sure who the colorist was because uh, the colors were fa- fantastic in this. Um, I don't know who they've lost in their lives that were close to them, but they've obviously lost people because they were able to capture those feelings and those emotions of losing somebody close to you. So amazing. Uh, I mean, it, it, it goes through with Bruce when he's looking at, and, and I should say this, they're able to capture it without words too, just through artwork, just through, you know, it's one thing to have narration of, Oh, this is what this means. But to do it just solely through pictures is phenomenal. I mean, this this would probably ha- ranks in like my top ten all time comic books. Um, wow, really? Yeah, I mean, it was that amazing, and and for for how they did it, and you know, it shows Bruce kind of going through Damon stuff and seeing drawings, and that kind of what happens. You lose somebody, and you know, you're going through their stuff, and you you find out things about them that you never knew, or somebody says, oh. You know, or someone shows up at the funeral and says, oh, yeah, well, guess what? I knew this or that. And you're like, really? I, I never knew that. Um, and then there's the letter um, of stuff with uh, – and it says on it CK, which I'm assuming is Clark Kent because um, it's a list of uh, books to read. Uh, and one of them is To Kill a Mockingbird, which is um, – Yeah. Uh, Again, I, I, I mean before you get to your point, oh, sure, I, I didn't make that connection with the CK. I was like, who the hell is CK? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, oh it's uh, Clark. <laughs> yeah, I caught it because in the issue where Superman comes back to life, uh, yeah. enough, um, or not where he comes back, but where after he comes back to life and first meets Lois, Lois is like, well, how do I know you're real? And he just looks at her and says, To Kill a Mockingbird, which was Clark's favorite book. And that's how you know she knew that he was the real deal. Um, but you know he's kind of going through this stuff and sees – what a talented artist he is and it has his grandparents tombstone which kind of shows you know more of a um connection to his family um which is all kind of stuff that happens and then you've got um alfred looking at the undone picture of um the family and that kind of i thought represented you know when someone dies there's all these stuff that you had planned to do or you're going to this or things that will never happen now because they're not there anymore and they incorporate that well and then what Really, I found amazing was when Bruce goes out and he's, you know, sliding down the bat pole or out on patrol or driving in the Batmobile. They cut to pictures of Bruce sort of looking and seeing Damien do it with him and then Damien not being there. And that was just amazing because, you know, 
that just happens in a loss. You just feel like, oh, this person was here and now they're not. And for them to be able to do that without words and just through pictures and just through the facial expressions on Bruce, I was just blown away by that. And then, um, yeah, can, can I ask you something? I don't keep, yeah. I don't mean to keep interrupting you, Terrence, but That's, um, that light post that Bruce was sitting on, yeah, that was the one from the nobody story right i think i'm not sure which which is the nobody story i believe it was the first was it the first um story arc of batman and robin in the new 52 you know i'm not sure uh, um i'm gonna have to look that one up yeah it's because he he backs the the batmobile into it oh is that what it is okay i think cool. so i think yeah. that's what happens i missed that yeah that's cool yeah um yeah, there's a they've been doing that a little bit in the dream episode uh, or episode or in the dream comic. They they went back to the first issue and and now doing that is pretty cool. Um and um so and I guess he he then destroys that pole with the Batmobile, I guess out of his anger and they yeah, they they showed Bruce's anger really really well. Um and then um it's just that build up that you can be as angry as you want, you can beat up as many criminals as you want. Uh, it's not going to take the pain away, like you said. And, th- and there's some actually some great Batman moments in here too, especially when uh, Commissioner Gordon gets the phone call, and then you see the overhead of the bat light with all those criminals all laying there. That's just like an awesome classic Batman moment. And then to end um, with him just totally, you know, um, just beaten down and exhausted, and finally the last kind of stage of acceptance. But to um, hug the the uniform like that is pretty amazing and the letter too also i like you said that letter really got me and you know i don't know if people picked up on it being a, a social studies teacher um he says in the letter that um you know his mother gave may have given me life but you've taught me how to live and grant morrison makes a lot of connections how talia wants damien to be the new alexander the great and to rule the world like alexander the great and that's actually a quote from Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great um, had said that his father had given him life, but it was Aristotle, his teacher, who taught him how to live. Uh, and so to have that sort of connection, I thought was a, a really cool touch. Yeah. I, I bet you no other Batman <laughs> yeah. podcast picked up on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, this, this, like I said, it was just a phenomenal issue. If, if somebody ever asked me, like, oh, why do you read comics for? Or aren't those for little kids? This is one of the issues that I would probably show them to say, no, you know, there's, there's more to it, you know, um, than just, you know, something for little kids. This is why you read comics because no other visual medium can, can show this here. So just like you, I would give this five out of five, uh, co-hosts who hate everybody so much. They didn't show up for the podcast, including Laura, who was crying on the bus for this issue. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to hear her review for this issue. I wonder if she'll like start crying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But anyways, for the week of March 20th, we have Nightwing number 18, Batwoman number 18, Red Hood number 18, Catwoman number 18, and Justice League number 18. Terrence, did you want to start us off someplace? Yeah, you know, let's uh, start off with Red Hood because um, I like this issue, but I had some issues with the issue. Um, and my issue with it is that it's got the word Requiem on the cover, where this had absolutely nothing to do with Robin at all. Although I do, I guess jumping to the ending, um, I I won't, I'll, I'll, I'll save the ending for a minute, but jumping to the ending, 
what happens at the end, I think whether it happened before Damien died or before or after Damien died would have a whole other meaning. But um, to get into that, this issue basically started right at where the other issue uh, you know, with Red Hood and the Outlaws, although the Outlaws are not in this issue basically at all. It's all Red Hood. Um, and he's recovering from being having his face burned, and you learn very quickly that he'll be okay, that um, the, the, the damage to his face will heal, but that his life's kind of in jeopardy from, um, I guess, possible, I don't know, infection or, or something, just to, or just to add drama. So a lot of the issue just takes place in a dream state of Jason Todd. Uh, and a lot of that was kind of forgettable. There was some cool artwork with the Joker and they do this whole thing that they added to Jason Todd with the all caster, which I, I've not really paid much attention to cause it just hasn't really captured me at all. Um, but to me, the big thing was the ending is that him and uh, Bruce have, you know, they, you know, Jason gets ready to say he's sorry. Uh, Bruce, like kind of tells him that he doesn't have to just quiet and they have, they embrace and it's kind of like all's forgiven. It's, it's almost like a new day. Um, and so, you know, Jason Todd's done a lot of horrible things pre 52. So I'm, I'm assuming they're retconning a lot of those murders and beatings and, <laughs> and uh, attempted murders on, he's tried to kill Bruce many times. He's tried to kill Dick. He's tried to kill Tim. Uh, he may have tried to kill Damien. I'm not sure. Um, so I'm assuming a lot of that stuff retconned out. Uh, I wanted to go back. I just didn't have time and pull out the long box and see just how many people did the red hood kill since his, he got his new series on the new 52. I don't think it's been that many and it's not been anybody major. I don't think so. This does seem like they're, they're, they're going to make like sort of a softer, gentler, kinder red hood who's not out killing everybody and not trying to kill batman uh, i don't think he's even killed anybody in the new 52 that's what i was wondering that's why i wanted to go yeah. look so um if he has it's been either some kind of crazy monster or um just somebody in the background when they were freeing roy harper from prison or something but i don't really believe he's he's done that so and i kind of like that i didn't i didn't really like it when they took the red hood too brutal and and you know so far from what batman was you would feel that like if this guy was robin that he wouldn't then grow up to go around killing people so i i, I like this issue and uh i kind of like where they're taking the red hood i can see how some people might have a problem with it but i like it um but the, the last scene where where they're embracing and hugging and all's forgiven you know if that happened after damien died i think it has more of an emotional impact like he lost a son but he's getting a son back um, as opposed to just forgiving him. Um, but, you know, overall, it was um, a pretty good issue. Um, not the greatest. Uh, so I'd give it three out of five uh, co-hosts who hates everybody so much that they refuse to show up. Yeah, and I didn't read it. Uh, oh, okay. I, I, I bought it. Um, and from the sounds of it, I, what do you call? Probably going to have to read this one. So I guess we can do um, Nightwing number 18. And uh, I guess I'll start this one off. Um, for me, this issue, half of it I kind of liked and half of it I didn't. It didn't feel like a complete issue to me because it felt like Kyle Higgins paid too much attention to the Requiem story and didn't pay enough attention to the other half of the story with with Sonya Branch, which was you know connected to the Requiem part where Dick is trying to deal 
with Damien's death. You know, I, f- I felt that the Sonya Branch part started off pretty weak in the coffee shop and concluded kind of all right with the reveal that Tony Zuko is still alive. But even then, I felt that that reveal was was kind of weak in the sense that after going on this, you know, great emotional journey with Dick, I was left feeling, I was left with the feeling like, okay, I guess that happened, and I guess that Dick is gonna go fight Zuko now. So it just kind of, I don't know, I, I I feel like that reveal wasn't done right, and the ending wasn't done right. But besides that, I think that Higgins nailed the Requiem part, especially you know because Dick and Damien were so close. I mean, Damien was Dick's Robin for, for a little while there. And I played well with the ending of issue 17, you know, where Damien reminds Dick about what, what makes him so special. And I like how Higgins set it up, where in the beginning we see Dick emotionally unbalanced and angry, but then he gives himself a break and realizes that, that Damien was right about him and that whole thing with the video game was just the icing on that cake. And I also like the parts with the dealer, although he does kind of feel placed in there because I guess uh, Kyle Higgins just had to end that story right there but I felt that Dick trying to save his dad's costume worked worked well you know with the Requiem story because it becomes another downer for Dick which ends up becoming just what he needs to realize his potential and what Damien was trying to tell him uh, in Nightwing number 17 so for me this this one was half good and half bad but I have to say the art was absolutely terrible. You know, in fact, in some spots, it looked like terrible fan art. <laughs> and, you know, the the cover was especially terrible. Do you have it in front of you, Terrence? Yes, I do. Yes. Look at Dick's hand. Like, where's his thumb? And what kind of deformed hand is that? That looks weird. And, you know, the interior art was just terrible. Um, it, it looks like a starfish is growing out of his wrist. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so the art was terrible. I don't want to see this guy on any book, anywhere. <laughs> I don't care if I don't read it. <laughs> I just don't want to see any more of this art. But um, anyway, I'd probably give this one a two and a half out of five because this is what this is the kind this is kind of what the Requiem books should be like to me. So uh, two and a half out of five. Uh, co-host that didn't show up yeah i'm kind of in agree in agreement in a lot of stuff i i really liked the requiem stuff i'll start where you left off with the the art i had mentioned the last nightwing issue that there was just something about the way this guy draws faces that just seems a little off to me it's almost like he adds and lips yeah lips too. they're the lips are too big so he adds some extra lines um <laughs> it just i don't know i i'm not an art student and i can't draw to save my life so he's better than me but uh, it just for me, it's a little off. Um, but the Requiem stuff was great. I thought what was so great about it is that Kyle Higgins didn't just like hit you over the head with like page one, Dick crying his eyes out or something. It built little by little, you know, it built slowly with the, the right. some flashbacks of uh, Dick remembering talking to Tim and especially how, you know, they probably spent more time together than Bruce and Damien. Uh, and um, then there's like little things like you see the he mentions the video game and then the video game gets delivered and then you think you know um maybe you know damien gave it to him as a present but then you realize no actually dick bought it hoping to play it with him and and do more bonding and now he'll never get to play it and he you know slams the thing and 
Uh, so the Requiem stuff was just fantastic. And it built, I think, to the climax of the, the grave site. And, um, you know, Dick said just enough to uh, not be over the top. But it was it was just really good. And especially when, you know, when he says, like, I loved you and I wish I just wish. Oh, man. And then he just kind of loses it a bit like that was just really good writing. And it was just not, you know, over the top hitting you in the head with the sledgehammer. But it was really just I just felt really good. Um, the dealer stuff was good. I thought it was kind of weird how um, Batman just gives him the information and then leaves. He doesn't help him out with it. But um, well, I mean, what I felt that scene was was that um, Bruce was looking off for Dick. Yeah, he knew that Dick was sad and angry. But then maybe if he had his or he got back his dad's um, costume that. It'll make him feel better or something. Yeah. And uh, I did like the fact that uh, the fire started. And so Dick had to make the choice of saving his father's costume or saving those people. And the people were horrible. The people were, you know, calling for his death and, and bidding on his body parts. Yet, you know, he sacrifices the father's costume to save them. And I thought that was really a good um, way to show what a hero has to go through and what, what they have to sacrifice. And then the Sonya Branch stuff at the end, although I don't have a problem with Tony Zuko being still alive, and um, I'm actually kind of intrigued by it, and it should be kind of interesting with Dick going to Chicago and going after him. As you said, it did feel kind of rushed, and it did feel kind of squeezed in there. It almost would have been better if that would have just been the start of issue 19. Um, But between Kyle Higgins and Scott Snyder, one of my beefs is – you know, Batman can't have the title of world's greatest detective anymore because if <laughs> if, if they didn't know the Court of Owls existed, which, you know, uh, had assassins all over the place and floors and buildings in Gotham and all this stuff. Um, but but Bruce was sure they didn't exist because when he was like 11 years old, he researched it and couldn't find anything. So therefore, he's concluded that they don't exist. And now Tony Zuko's still alive and they didn't know about it, and walking the streets of Chicago, um, which we don't know yet if. Bruce knows this or not and kept it hid from Dick or or what. But um, neither one of them are the greatest detectives in the world anymore if they if they didn't know this was going on. But um, it should it should be pretty interesting seeing Dick go to Chicago, seeing what's going to happen. I am kind of sorry that that whole amusement mile thing never got off the ground because I thought that would have been a, a great backdrop for different stories and a lot of potential. But, you know, like you, the art seriously hurts this book. But the story picks it up. So I'd, I'd give this three co-hosts who didn't show up out of five. Yeah. And you know what I'm starting to think? I'm starting to think that for the the bad books, I think Damien's death was a bad thing. Yeah. Because they had to insert this – all of this – I mean they had to at least address it in, in their already set issues. I don't know. Maybe I'm just misinterpreting it. No, I feel that way too. I feel like this is what Grant Morrison wanted to do, and so everyone's had to adjust and fit in and squeeze in. You know, you know, Kyle Higgins was not thinking, oh, I'm, you know, when I take over Nightwing, I've got this great plan for showing how Dick's gonna feel when Damien dies. He's thinking Tony Zuko and the Dealer and all this stuff, and then he's got to squeeze in all this other stuff. So and and I wonder why Grant Morrison did it. I, I you know a lot of me thinks that he did it to get the spotlight back on him because he's been overlooked. And Scott Snyder, Scott Snyder is the man. Scott Snyder is the guy. You know, yeah. the whole Joker, Greg Capullo storyline just totally eclipsed anything he was doing with Batman Incorporated. 
So this was the way to get the headlines back. But um, yeah, you're right. I, I do feel it hurt the other bad books, except for Batwoman because she's just <laughs> and stayed out of it, which I love about that. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Grant Morrison just gave the middle finger to to Tomasi. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm out of here. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but speaking of Batwoman, uh, Batwoman number eighteen. To to avoid so- sounding uh, repetitive. I'm just gonna say I love this issue. Yeah. Uh, I just love this issue from top to bottom, 100%. Um, and I'm glad to know that uh, Gotham legalized gay marriage. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad to know that um, Maggie knows that Kate's Batwoman first, and um, secondly, uh, they're together and they're gonna get married and stuff like that. So, uh, just glad to know that it's not gonna be another. Uh, oh, I can't be with you because you're bad woman or bad man or whatever your typical um, uh, comic book relationships. So I'm just glad to see that. I'm also glad um, that uh, the DEO was gonna be kind of out to get bad woman. It seems like it's at least what I gathered from this issue. And um, I don't know about you, but like in the beginning, did, did you get kind of confused that you, that maybe it was a flashback or maybe time has passed and Kate and her father made up? That's what I thought at first. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I didn't think it was a flashback. I thought they made up at first. I didn't yeah, realize yeah. that they both had different headsets that were communicating with different people. I thought he was communicating with both of them. Right. Yeah. Me too. And I mean, it was great to see. Um, what is she going by now? Uh, Flamebird. Flamebird. Yeah. Hawkfire. Hawkfire. Yeah. 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 It, it's great to see her and uh, Kate work together. And uh, it was also great. I mean, I'm so, I'm starting to sound repetitive already, but uh, it was also great to see um, that it looks like there's going to be trouble in the neighborhood with uh, the colonel and his wife, his new wife. I just thought that that was great. I mean, they're they're playing it on all angles right now. I mean, you got the story with Kate, you get the story with um, or Kate and Maggie, Kate and the DEO, uh, Hawkfire. And uh, uh, the colonel and his wife now. So I, I, I just like how they're playing it on all angles. They're not just um, sacrificing one story to tell another story, which which I really, really like. So I'm going to give this one four and a half out of five because it's not J.H. Williams' art. Yeah. <laughs> but what did you think? Well, you know, Trevor McCarthy, I think, picked up his game because his art looked phenomenal in this book. It is not J.H. Williams' art but it is pretty- yeah yeah i mean don't, don't get me wrong i like trevor mccarthy but nobody can can compare to jh williams yeah i think this is the best trevor mccarthy's been though because i i've always kind of liked him but i don't remember him being this good uh and they're still doing the the unique layouts which is really good um i, I like this issue because it kind of slowed down a little bit it was a good uh kind of like catch your breath after the whole medusa arc which went on for so long um like you at the end of the last issue where she she asks Maggie to marry her, I was kind of like, is this serious? Is this a joke kind of thing? Like, hey, marry me? You know, how serious is this at being a real proposal? So then when, you know, they were getting an apartment, which looks like it's going to be sort of the headquarters for Batwoman 2, um, and they're, they discuss being a fiancé, I was like, all right, yes, it's good. They, they, it was a real proposal. Um, the... Um, the stuff with the DEO is good, and then it's it set up really well with this person coming out of the water who we don't really know who they are, and um, 
then it's just a hey, that's all there's been. So there's definitely a past here with the DEO. It might even be a personal past. Um, so it, this issue was a good to kind of like stop, catch a breath after all the Medusa stuff, but then it moved the stories forward enough to get you ready for issue 19. So, you know, once again, I think Batwoman um, is one of the best Bat books. It's kind of weird that Batman showed up in this book. It was almost kind of forgettable. And I, being even being the huge Batman fan, I was just kind of like, oh, do we really need him right now? Like, is this necessary? So I don't know if that was just a let's throw Batman in here just to remind people of what's going on. But I loved how Batwoman was like, oh, now you show up. Where were you when Medusa was attacking the city? So yeah, right. that was a great line. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Batman will play more of a a role in events and seriously i actually don't really want him to i mean if he does and they write it well i'm not going to you know freak out but we have enough batman books we have enough batman stories i think batwoman does very well kind of standing on her own if anything i'd rather see batwoman in one of the batman books and and, and be more of a role in one of the batman books and be on her own kind of like how nightwing um really kind of stands alone in his books but then you know, shows up in the other Bat books a lot. So, uh, yeah, I give this four and a half uh, co-hosts who hate everybody so much that they didn't show up, including Tim, who hates Batwoman to begin with. We all know that. He he hates Batwoman almost as much as he secretly hates Star Wars, but doesn't want to know. So. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. I never thought about that. He's lying to us. Yeah. <laughs> He's lying to us, Terrence. I think we should beat him up. Yeah. What do you think? I will. It's, after we go to that wedding, let's fly out to California and get to him. Yeah. All right. Oh. oh, no, wait. You're not invited, man. Yeah, I'm going to crash it anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so, I mean, I guess that's it. Unless there's something else that you wanted to talk about, Terrence. No, I, I think even though we didn't read it, we can give Catwoman number 18 zero stars. So, or actually, let's give it. I'll give it one uh, out of five just for the fact that I didn't have to pay for it. So, yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, so, so would you pay um, Anna Senti two ninety nine a month to not read her book? I would. Yes, I would. Yeah. <laughs> or, or to not have her on the on the title. Yes. Uh, if only that were the case, but yeah. Uh, anyways, I guess that's it. So um, yes, of course, go to the Batman Universe at thebatmanuniverse.net on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/thebatmanuniverse or on Twitter, and the Twitter handle is at batmanuniverse. And you can also uh, find us on iTunes as well as all the other Batman Universe podcasts. And you can rate and review us, and you can rate and review them. And if you want to leave us an email. With any questions or comments, you can email us at batfans27 at gmail.com or you can just leave us a comment at the end of the. Uh, what am I thinking of, Terrence? Podcast, right? Or at the end of the uh, iPod, uh, iTunes post, thing? Post on the Batman universe. Ah, oh, that's it, yeah. Yeah, you can leave us a comment on there. Uh, see, that's why we need Tim here. Yeah, Tim. <laughs> yeah. um, but, anyways. Don't cry. Don't be sad. Don't be like Bruce. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't punch a locker. Because we don't want you to ha- hurt your hand and break break a bone in your hand. Yeah. And you have to go to the hospital and get a cast on it. So yeah, don't be sad. Don't ever be sad. We'll be back here in two weeks doing this again. Alright, so bye everybody. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> See ya. Like it's a mess.